everybody. It is time for Apollos Watered, a podcast to saturate your faith with the things of God so that you might saturate your world with the good news of Jesus Christ. My name is Travis Michael Fleming, and I am your host. And today, it's time for my favorite subject and yours, and that is a little bit of... Cross-culturing, and it's cross-culturing and Christmas. Several years ago, I was speaking to a professor of mine, and I was really frustrated. I wanted to find out what I called naked Christianity. I was so tired of all the cultural stuff that I was seeing coming to me from all different backgrounds. I mean, people would show me Spanish Christianity, and American Christianity, and white Christianity, and black Christianity, and Asian Christianity and African Christianity, and it was so frustrating. I was getting so annoyed. So I finally said to my professor, give me just naked Christianity. I want naked, unabashed, completely no clothing on it Christianity. I want to know what the essence of the gospel is and who Jesus is, and I need you to tell me who it is. And I said, I need naked Christianity. And you know what he said to me? He said, there is no such thing. And I was really ticked. I was like, that's the dumbest answer that I could ever hear. I said, there's got to be a naked Christianity. But the more that time you know, went on, the more I thought about it, and I thought, wow, he's right. Every time that we receive our faith, we receive it from someone who has an idea of what it looks like in their given culture. Meaning that if you've heard it from someone in your culture, whatever that culture might be, it could be Hispanic, you could be African, you could be a, a white American, you could be uh, a, a Hispanic American, you could be an African American, or you could just be in the middle of Bangladesh or uh, Middle Eastern, wherever you're from, it always comes in certain clothing and certain garbs. So we receive it from different people. And we bring what, what, what that means is, is that every time that we receive that, we got it in the clothing of that person. They like dress Jesus in essence. And so we have to get back and say, what is really the essence of what I believe? And what is it that I truly believe about who Jesus is? Now, we do live and breathe in our own cultures, okay? We can't change our cultural backgrounds. But we can educate ourselves about other people. Here's what I mean. Oftentimes, we don't recognize just how much we are confronted or how much our culture really means to us and what it means to even be a part of our culture until we encounter a culture that's different. Give me an example. I'm traveling in India, and I'm with a friend of mine who is a white guy who's an American, and I'm traveling with my good friend who's a Ugandan. And we're traveling together. It's the first time we'd ever traveled, the three of us. And I make a comment, because this was my first time in India, and I make a comment about something that I saw along the side of the road as we were driving. And I made a comment to my white uh, American friend, and I said, hey, I can't believe that goes on here. And it was just something between the two of us, something that I was noticing about the culture. And my African friend goes, what are you talking about? That's how it is where I'm from. And then I realized something, that we were the minority, and my African friend and what was going on in India were actually the majority of the world actually thought that way. And I, I, I realized then that it was through seeing other people and their experiences and traveling that my own view of the world was changed. You know, Mark Twain, the famous author, actually said something about prejudice and how travel affects it. He said, travel is fatal to prejudice bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. 
broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. Man, he was right. The more that you interact with different cultures, the more you find out you got blind spots in your own. And so how do you fix that? What do you do? You know, it's by encountering different cultures that we do see the blind spots in our own. I find that when I interact with different people from different cultural backgrounds, my view of God is actually expanded. And I'm going to talk about that sometime in the future. But what I really see is God's love for the world. And it's greater than mine ever could be. He loves people from all backgrounds who look and believe oftentimes differently than I do. If you don't believe me, just take a look at the book of Jonah. Jonah was really ticked off that God loved people so much that he wanted to see them saved. Matter of, as a matter of fact, Jonah hated his preaching mission, and it was the most successful, probably, preaching mission in world history, and he hated every moment of it. That's a little bit crazy when you think about it. But it's when we encounter different cultures that we're able to see the world through someone else's eyes. And when you really start examining the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he came to do, and specifically the incarnation, and that's the term that we give that when Jesus came to earth, it's God becoming or assuming flesh. We call that the incarnation, and we call that also the Christmas story, because that's what the Christmas story is ultimately about. It's not the presents, it's not Santa, it's not Christmas trees, it's not traditions, it's the birth of Jesus. And in a lot of ways, when we see Christmas, we see really the depth of how of God's love and how far he really went to pursue us. It's really, if you think about it, the ultimate cross-culturing story. Now, here's what I mean. In John chapter 1, verse 14, we read this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the word here, when he says, And the word became flesh, the word here is referring to the person of Jesus. Jesus is also known as the Word. Jesus assumed our flesh. He stepped into time and dwelt among us. Now, the word dwelt here refers to like pitching a tent, tabernacling. That's not a term that we use very often, but it actually harkens back to the Old Testament when the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness, and then God had, or Moses had received instructions from God to construct the Ark of the Covenant. And it was to be in this tent called the tabernacle. And every time the Israelites would move on God's instruction, they would have to take up the tent, carry the Ark of the Covenant, and then set it down and then put the tent back up again. And it's the idea of God dwelling among his people. And it's the same picture with Jesus who dwells among his people. He comes, the creator comes to his creation. So we have the eternal son of God stepping out of eternity into time. Because remember, God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We call that often the Trinity. And they are one God, make up one God without difference of persons. As theologians like to say, they are the same substance, but different subsistence. In other words, it's one God, and he reveals himself in three very specific persons. Okay, And when we get to that, we see that Jesus, who is the eternal Son of God, who existed before time began, steps into time, steps into his creation by assuming flesh in our incarnation. Now, the question is, is why did he do that? Well, he did it to identify with us. Here's what I mean. I want you to imagine for a moment that you were in Chicago, Illinois, and we're together, and we're on Lower Wacker Drive in Chicago. 
Now, we were to walk up and we see a homeless man. Now, just stay with me for purpose of illustration. And we were to walk up and you would punch the homeless man. God forbid you would do that, but for some reason, if you did, how much trouble would you get into? Well, no authorities, no cameras, probably not a lot of trouble. Why? Why? Why don't you get into a lot of trouble? It's because there's not a lot of honor that is put upon the homeless man. All right, let me, let me take it up a bit. Let's say we're to, we're, we were to see a Chicago police officer. And you were to walk up and you were to punch the Chicago police officer in the face. Now you're arrested. <laughs> and how much trouble are you going to get into? Quite a bit. Why? Because he's a police officer. He represents justice. Society honors him and he is the representative and the enforcer of justice. Therefore, the penalty you receive must be in due proportion to him. Take it up a notch even further. Let's say you were to punch the president of the United States, no matter who it is, and whether you like them or not, you're going to get into trouble because of the honor that is placed upon that person. And in many ways, you are hitting all of the citizens of the United States of America. And the penalty you receive is going to be in due proportion to that person. And you could say that to almost any head of state. It's going to be a greater penalty that is then meted out to that individual. Now, let's take it up again. Let's say that you could punch God in the face. Now, I know that we can't punch God in the face, but in many ways, that's exactly what sin is. And when we sin against God, we are rejecting God and saying that I don't want you and I don't believe you and I want what I want despite what you say. Now, God, being the just God, being completely fair, God of complete love, of complete mercy, of complete wrath, must punish sin. His nature requires it. Therefore, the penalty that must be meted out because of who he is, he is eternal, he is infinite, he is all of the things that I just mentioned, then the penalty that we are to receive then must be in due proportion to who he is. So that's why hell exists, because it is eternal. We've sinned against an eternal being, therefore the punishment must be eternal. Now, here's where the incarnation comes in. We couldn't pay the eternal price. We couldn't pay that price, but Jesus, the eternal son of God, could. So he steps into time and grabs our hand, a hand of God the Father, and then becomes the bridge, in essence, between the two. And so we see here that God had to assume our flesh in order to redeem us. And that's how much he loved us, that he would come to his creation. And it's an incredible, awesome picture. In Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8, we read this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, he did it to reach us. He humbled himself. He crossed time. Actually, he crossed eternity and stepped into time. Now, what does this have to do with cross-culturing? Everything. God the Son stepped into time, into a specific culture and people with a language, traditions, customs, and on and on. He came to identify with us. That's why at Jesus' baptism with John the Baptist, he says, John the Baptist says basically, hey, 
Why are you coming to be baptized by me? It's I who need to be baptized by you. And Jesus says, let it be so now to fulfill all righteousness. Why? Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He didn't have any sin. The point was, is he was showing that he was identifying with sinful men. Just like when he is being, he's out in the wilderness and he's being tempted by the devil and the devil tells him to do all these different things. And time and time again, I mean, he could have done, he could have taken rocks and turned it into bread. He could have jumped off the pinnacle of the temple and the angels would have come, but we couldn't do that. You see, he had to supremely identify with us. And so he did what we could do. And that's quote the word of God. This is the awesome part of who God is. That's the intensity and the depth of his love for you and me. So when we're talking about cross-culturing, we're actually going back to the Son of God because he stepped into time, in essence, kind of cross-cultures to reach us and to show us God's love for us. And it didn't just stay with him. It passed on to his disciples as they went around to different nations sharing the truth of Jesus and is really seen in the life of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 23. Paul says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not my not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. He was crossing cultures. He's saying, I will do anything to reach people. I'm not, long as it doesn't diso or, or violate my conscience or disobey one of God's laws, I'm willing to do whatever is necessary to reach people. Why? That's why, I mean, why did Paul do it? so that people might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And it wasn't easy for him. He went through unbelievable pain in order to reach people. Why? Because he knew God's love for the world and knew also that God's wrath was coming. He was willing to go, th go through all of that because he loved God and he loved people. More importantly, he was following the example of Jesus, God the Son, with no beginning or no and no end, who dwelt in perfect fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit, stepped out of eternity and into creation itself, and grabs the hand of man and grabs the hand of God the Father and becomes one of us, human. This is the ultimate in cross-culturaling. Why? Because of his love for us. Jesus is the supreme example of crossing cultures, humility and seeking the good of the one we are reaching out to. We give something up on behalf of the other. This season, while many of us are still separated from the world around us, it is imperative that we do not keep this truth or stay to ourselves. I would encourage you to reach out to someone and look at people, look at the world through the lens and eyes of God. God reached out to us, so too are we to reach out to others. Why? Because we are to love them as well. Because we know that God loves them more than we do, and because we are to seek their good.
Today's show, by the way, was brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, Kathy Brothers of Keller Williams Innovate. If you are looking at buying or selling a home in the Chicagoland area, I would recommend giving Kathy Brothers a call. She and her team are amazing at what they do, trustworthy, compassionate, and sensitive to your needs. They work with you to help you find what is best for you. Give her a call today at 630-201-4664. That's 630-201-4664. That's Kathy Brothers brothers of Keller Williams Innovate. Well, that's it for today, folks. If this episode has helped you so that you can saturate your world, then hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, interact with us on our Facebook page, and share this episode with other people. This is Travis Michael Fleming signing off from Apollos Watered. Stay watered, everybody.